0: Look, the Asbury Revival started because of a bunch of students that were nameless and faceless. Yeah. And so in the same sense, uh, as Will was talking to me about evangelism, like, dude, go after it, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's what we're all about. Is we want to yeah. see people uh, come to know Jesus. Shifting yeah. real quick, because just talking about the missional initiative and just the missional mindset behind the context of our church... If you guys haven't gotten the picture yet, I'm not a person to really gatekeep or to keep for myself. I think that there's a lot of other people who would think that, especially in the context of church plantings, it's like, oh, you have to be here. No, what you have to do is you have to, be pres- you have to be present in the presence of God. And wherever he's calling you, wherever he's leading you, you have to just respond in a sense of obedience, With that being said, starting tomorrow, we start another missions pledge. Uh, we are going to supply and fund one of our own. Um, Isaiah is uh, for the uh, after, as soon as Easter is over, he's going to be taking off to Mexico, and praise God that that's fully funded. But he's going to go to Mexico. He's going to do some gospel work there, and then he's going to come back, and then uh, he's going to go to Morocco uh on uh what is it called field mission field tour i there's a there's a there's a term scout work scout trip i don't know There there's an actual term that's there cultural immersion cultural immersion there, was, there it is but uh we are going to start a pledge campaign to raise funds for isaiah And and we're going to support him because he's one of our very own, and we believe in what God is doing there. And so in the same sense, last year Bonnie went to Morocco. Uh, Isaiah is going to do the same. So um, that's just something to keep in mind. So the mission pledge is a day apart from Josiah to Isaiah, so just keep that in mind. Um, but that starts tomorrow. Uh, as we get into Haggai, I, ha- I have to go quick. And this is, prob- this is by far going to be the shortest sermon I ever preached. This is going to be a TED Talk today. Uh, but, I mean, praise God, because I, I-, I hope that your cup is filled even hearing some of the things that God is doing. And you may not see it, but God is on the move. He's working through so many different components. And really, the premise of Haggai is going from a place of selfishness and responding to the voice of God. Because the entire th- the entirety of Haggai is learning to and, and comprehending the building of God's temple, right? There's the restoration to God's temple that's necessary. And so there's a couple questions that I want to ask just up front, for you to think about. What is God doing in you? I have to think, what is God doing in me? And what is God doing in us? Especially in this life, as we strive for so much, there is the constant question of, what is God doing? I want to just read this uh, specific passage. It won't be on the screen, but it's going to be out of Haggai 1.6 and really it's the toil and the work that we produce but what are we producing it for this is going to lead into us finishing out chapter 2 you have sown so much and harvested little you eat but you never have enough you drink but you never have your fill your cloth you clothe yourselves but no one is warm and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes Look, all of us have our deepest desires. We have our deepest yearnings. We want to build an incredible life here. But what good is that? And how much do you actually have if we're not putting in the work to the house of God? And so Haggai is calling the people of Israel, the exiled generation, to put down their belongings and to focus on building God's temple. And he's calling each and every one of us as believers to put down our own belongings and to focus on the temple of God. Let's get into Haggai chapter 2, verse 10 through 23. We're going to break these verses down, but this is... My first point today, God is calling each and every one of us to covenant faithfulness. God is calling each and every one of us to covenant faithfulness. Now, the the, the term covenant faithfulness can probably be right. More than likely all of us just in our relationship with Jesus. But there are certain things where you feel like there is a covenant that's there. There is something that you feel like the Lord has promised Each and every one of you, and that's not for me to decide upon you. That's for you to realize and recognize between the Lord. But the draw to covenant faithfulness, God is calling each and every one of us to covenant faithfulness. So what does that look like to you? I hope that here in this particular passage that it will be unpacked. So here we go in Haggai verse 2 as we finish out, 10 to 23. On the 24th day of the ninth month, ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. Okay? And the priests were the determining factors in what was right and what was wrong. Two questions are going to be presented by Levitical, by Levitical law. right? And then Haggai is going to respond and he's going to give us an answer. He's going to give us a solution. And the exiled generation, the people of Israel here under Persian rule, because they were uh, once outcasted, man, they were so focused and they were so selfish upon what they were trying to do and what they were trying to build and their own personal belongings, but there was no fruit to be had from their own toils. And so this passage that I just read in verse 6, it said, you have sown so much and harvested little you eat but you never have enough and so the people of israel hear these things and their heart is moved by the spirit of god and unlike a lot of other books of uh, prophets like the book of the prophets the people of israel actually respond and they obey Verse 12, this is the first question. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, no. And then here's the second question in verse 13. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these Does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. this was Haggai's response. Then Haggai answered and said, so is it with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. So this to unpack and to just give you guys a simplified definition, the people of Israel were so stuck with their own personal buildings that their own intentions and their desires were so so unpure to get ready to build the house of God. And so what Haggai was doing was Haggai was telling the people, essentially rebuking them and saying, hey, you are your intentions, your heart, your soul, your mind is all unclean. It's, it's impure. And so what ends up happening is that the people respond in such a manner that as they get ready to build, they come to a place of repentance. And they see, they understand, they know, they hear the voice of God. They hear the Holy Spirit. Their hearts are turned in such a way where they respond And they say, okay, we don't want to be unclean. We want our hearts to be pure, and we want to essentially build the house of God. We want to be part of the restoration process. And this leads to my second point. Our response, our action, and our greater belief in how we steward and build is actually a direct correlation to the building of God's temple In God's house. So here's a few questions that I just want to ask out loud, rhetorically, right? And these are the questions: Why do you do what you do? Why do you come out and participate? Why do you call this place church? What are you doing to help God's? What are you doing to help build God's temple? Every single thing that you do matters, and this is what the Book of Haggai is teaching us: is the ramifications, the things that we are doing. In intention and being purposeful, there is a reason behind it. You don't just sow a seed. You don't just give. Just because. We do it because we believe that there is a matter at hand for us to know and to acknowledge that in our response, our action, and our greater belief, we are stewarding these things to build God's temple. Guess what? A piece of our brick is going to Cambodia. And... I'm going to just safely assume, just based off my relationship with Josiah, is that Josiah's not just going there just so that he can go visit Cambodia. But some of the things that he said is, I'm going to build from the ground up of what a ministry looks like, of what the house of God looks like. And guess what? We are all part of that. And so our response, our action, and our greater belief in how we steward and build is actually a direct correlation to the building of God's temple and God's house. Your guys' decision, right? Whether you come out or not, how you sit with people, whether you give or not, even how you worship and how you pray for the church body and all this, everything in between, all of these things matter. Right? It's not the pastor or the leadership that's in charge of building the church. Guess what? The context of the foundation of our church is every single person in our direct belief and our correlation to building the house of God. And so let's continue on. And this is where we're going to begin to really wind down. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you and all the products of your toils with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, 20, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth, ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. This is a grand summary of where we must find the turning point as Christians. We must build the house of God based on the command that the Lord has given us, and we must respond in obedience to build because we've been blessed not to. Get blessed. We've been blessed not to get blessed. Now, blessed comes subjectively, and there's a lot of definitions. But for us as Christians, because we acknowledge and we know that we have Jesus in our corner, man, we're more blessed than we deserve. That we have the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus in our corner, man, so we know that we have been blessed. We're not in our relationship with Jesus to get blessed, right? And it's the same thing where uh, as even the people of Israel in their um, in their denial, in their uh, in their acts of disobedience, the Lord was constantly like trying to get their attention over and over and over again. Like he wasn't producing good fruit for them. Like they weren't producing good fruit. As much as they were trying to build, as much as they were trying to sow a good seed, nothing was coming out. And the Lord was saying, hey, and you still didn't get the memo. So church, I have to ask you, how's your heart? What are you sowing into? What, what, what what heart reflection are you processing as we're talking about building the house of the lord man maybe you're you've been or you are in a selfish season right the people of israel it, the entitlement y'all yo, you can just smell the entitlement from this from, from Haggai, right? The people of Israel just wanting to build their own house. They wanted to establish their own vineyards. They wanted to uh, make sure that all their crops and, and all their cattle and all their produce were satisfied. But to what prevail? and all of the tension was, hey, we need to restore the house of the Lord. We need to focus on what really matters. And then here we go in the last portion. The word of the Lord came to, came, the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow, to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shiltal, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, understanding context, the people of Israel were uh, under rule for so long. Babylonian Empire persian empire they hear these things it's a reference to the exodus how moses you know escaped how how the people of israel escaped uh egypt and they're just thinking to themselves yes and then there's this remark in the last passage about a signet ring and look i'm not the uh I'm not the expertise on what a signet ring actually does, but if you do a quick Google search, you'll find out. It is the mark. It is the stamp of a family lineage, right? It represents a family. And he marks Zerubbabel like a signet ring. And so it goes back to my first point, talking about Covenant faithfulness. Zerubbabel's lineage comes from David, and we all know that through David comes who? Jesus. And this is for each and every one of us, for us to know that our covenant faithfulness is marked by this signet ring. And each and every one of us have this this marking as believers, as Christians, who People who have declared with their hearts and they believe with and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. We are all marked and set apart. Very much like how Zerubbabel was chosen to be this marking. It was the sign of what was to come. Our fruition, our lineage, our generation comes through the line of Jesus. And we are all sons and daughters. And so, guess what? As sons and daughters of Jesus, we are called to help build the house of God together. Not to do it in our own individual accords, not to just build our own households or our own faith personally. We are called as brothers and sisters in Christ. We all have this covenant signet ring that is marked on each and every one of us. And as we transition into communion and we partake, there is no sin. There is no despair. There is no doubt. There is no worry. There is no stress. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And my hope and my prayer is that you guys would respond like the people of Israel did in Haggai. And we would respond in obedience. And we would know that because we've been blessed God's presence, just knowing that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins when we didn't deserve it. We have a second chance and we're not doing it because we feel like, oh yes, if we do these things, we're going to get blessed. No, we do it because we've been blessed. So I'm going to go ahead. Uh, It's a beautiful thing because as we train our own, um, man, like the pastor doesn't need to lead it. And we're training our very own to lead us in different components of the service order. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and call up Devante and he's going to lead us in communion.